If you'd like to join the classes live in the masjid, then click on the link below. Inshallah, it will take you to a telegram group that has the details of all the class timings, the dates, the days, the addresses and the locations of the masjid. So click on that link and hopefully we'll see you there, Inshallah. Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen wa salatu wa salam ala ashrafil anbiya'i wal mursaleen Abina Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam atisliman kathiran amma ba'd My dear respected brothers and sisters Welcome to our three-day Dora where we hope to go through 13 hadith of the Prophet related to etiquette. When the organizers requested for me to go through a book, I chose to go through these hadith because Ramadan is literally around the corner. We are at the doorstep of Ramadan. And because Ramadan is a month of change, it's the month when the scene has been set. It is the month when the scene has been set for us to do well. The doors of Jannah have been swung open. The doors of Hellfire have been slammed shut. And the Shayateen have been locked up. You find that it's easier in the month of Ramadan to introduce new habits into your life and to also rid yourself from any evil, negative, displeasing habits to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And these hadith are from the kitab Bulugh al-Maram min Adillati al-Hakam authored by Ibn Hajar rahmatullahi alayhi. It is a compilation of fiqh-related hadith. It is a compilation of fiqh-related hadith. However, right at the end, it has a section which is called Kitab al-Jami'ah, the book that is comprehensive. I always wondered why. It goes through Kitab al-Tahara, brings a hadith related to al-Tahara, wudu, water, ghusl, the purificatory bath, Tayammum, purifying yourself with soil, hayat, menses, and then moves on to Kitab al-Salah, and so on and so forth. Covers ibadat and goes into mu'amalat, a hadith related to fiqh. A hadith related to fiqh. And then right at the end, he brings a hadith, narrations related to etiquettes and manners. Why? Lish. What does fiqh have to do with etiquette and manners? It's a question, right? Makes you think, makes you ponder, makes you reflect. A book that has all of these ahadith related to ahkam, rulings, pertaining to how one should worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But then, ahadith related to either introducing new characteristics into your life or ridding yourself from evil ones. That's why they call this course impeccable manners. Sahih? We want to better ourselves as Muslims. We want to better ourselves as Muslims. Likewise, especially if you are somebody who is taking knowledge seriously, you want to better yourself even more. So who can tell me why? Why do you think Ibn Hajar he concluded Bulugh al-Maram 
with the hadith related to etiquette and manners? Anyone have an idea? Um, is it because you can have all this information, but then you're, you're, like you're practicing the religion won't be complete until you actually come with these manners and etiquette? MashaAllah, very good. Anyone else? Is that a hadith? Or is that a statement of Ibn Qayyim, which I wanted to mention today? He said, The whole religion is etiquette, manas. Whoever, whoever exceeds you in etiquette and manas, he has exceeded you in the religion. That's really, really profound. Whoever exceeds you or surpasses you in manners and etiquettes, indeed he has surpassed you in, in the deen, the religion. So you now acquire and take in, you consume all of that knowledge, a hadith related to ahkam. The scholars they say, right, if you memorize Burugh al-Maram min adillat al-ahkam, which is a compilation of maybe what, 1300 ahadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. This person, he's a scholar in fiqh. And some say, you memorize Burugh al-Maram alongside Zad al-Mustakhni'ah. Shaykh Salih Fawzani mentioned this in his muqaddimah, in his introduction of his explanation of Bulu al-Maram. Whoever now memorizes this, and also Zad al-Mustaqni', which is a text in fiqh, the Hamli Madhab. You guys have studied Madhab al-Shuja'a, right? Shafi'a, so. Right? Which is a mukhtasar, it's a summarized book. However, Zad al-Mustaqni' is a little bit more, in fact, should I say, much more in-depth. And of course, the Shafi'i, they have much more in-depth books as well. When it comes to the text that they study. Anyways, you memorize this and you memorize that, this person is a faqih. Even they, they say, مَنْ حَفِظَ الْبُلُوغَ وَزَادْ أَفْتَى بَيْنَ الْعِبَادَ Whoever memorizes the buluq and also zad al-mustaqni. This person can give fatwa amongst the Muslims. بَيْنَ الْعِبَادَ he can give fatwa. If he wants, memorize the Burugh Maram also Zad Mustaqna. Matnu Zadin wa Burughin kafiyani linayn al nubugh, they say. Again, same thing. So you now accumulate and acquire all of that knowledge of a hadith that you've memorized, that you've studied, that you've understood. And then, when it comes to interacting with fellow Muslims or people who are ignorant of the deen, you don't know how to approach it. You don't know how to approach it, you get it wrong, and you lose the people. <laughs> Does this happen, brothers and sisters? Well, one might be so knowledgeable, but the way he goes about propagating that knowledge is not a way that is praiseworthy. Wallahi, brothers, 
sisters, I have witnesses. Brothers, I have a lot of knowledge. A lot of knowledge. They graduated from Jamiat and they have certificates. <coughs> However, when it came to how they interacted with the creation, it may have been in a very arrogant way. It may have been in a very condensing way. It may have been that they belittled them, that they said something to them that caused them maybe to even stop practicing. Wallahi. And it was only a matter of time that their da'wah became extinct. Their da'wah was like It's as if it had no existence whatsoever. Imagine you go and study five years, six years, seven years, eight years, nine years, ten years, even more than that. And then you come back to your community. And when you do come back to your community, because of how badly you treat them or interact with them, you can never ever give da'wah in that masjid again. And then you move to another masjid. Because of your bad manners and etiquette, again, same thing. You get banned from that masjid. And then another masjid. And another masjid. Then in your own city, you can't give da'wah. Then you move to another city. But because of your bad manners, you can't give da'wah to them as well. No one's ready to welcome you or embrace you. Because now they begin to hear about what you did in that city. And then this begins to spread amongst the people. What are you going to do with all of that ilm? What a waste that is. Especially when ilm is so, so needed in today's day and age. What did the Messenger say? من الشراط الساعة أن يقل العلم ويظهر الجهل From the signs of the hour is that ilm will become so scarce. It will lessen. And I'm sure every single person who's sitting here today will agree to that, right? Do we find that there are so many scholars walking around on the streets of London? Anytime you need your question, you can just like pick somebody out. Or do you see that it is ignorance that is more prevalent than anything else? And things are just getting worse and worse. As the Messiah said, There doesn't come a time, except a time that comes after it is worse. Shubuhat. Doubts are very widespread. And we just don't have enough people to tackle all of these doubts that appear from time to time. Al-Sheikh ibn Uthameen, he says something very, very profound. He says, بعض طلاب العلم بعض طلاب العلم الآن أشفى من العرب Some students of knowledge they are more rough and tough than the Arab, the Bedouins. We've come across narrations where the Bedouin will just come up to the Messenger and grab it. He's a Bedouin. Doesn't know how to give people their rights. Grabs him. And then you see huh, the mark left on the Prophet. But how would the Messenger react and respond? By doing the same thing, by grabbing him as well? No. See that this one, this individual is a Bedouin. لا عنده بشاشة ولا تسليم ولا تواضع. 
You don't see him walking around with a pleasant face. He's always looking moody, screwed-faced. Thinks that maybe if I smile, it's what a weakness. La Allah, tabassumuka fi wajhi akhika sadaqa. As Prophet said, smiling in the face of your brother is what? Sadaqa. Also another hadith the Prophet said, لا تحقرن من المعروف شيئا ولو أن تلقى أخاك بوجه طلق تنو بلتن أن يقدين Even if it means embracing your brother or meeting your brother with a smiling pleasant face It is not a weakness He's saying this about طلاب العلم Individuals have gone out to seek knowledge Should this really be the case? ولا تسليم doesn't give salams to the people ولا تواضع likewise he's not humble you know what Shaykh Al-Islam Tim Rahmatullahi Alayhi mentioned وكثير من المنتسبين إلى العلم يبتلى بالكبر كما يبتلى أهل العبادة بالشك in his refutation of Al-Shadiri he says many of those who ascribe themselves to knowledge, they are tested and trialed with arrogance. The same way the people of worship, those who carry out many acts of worship, they're always worshiping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The shaytan can trap them with shirk, right? Showing off. You have major shirk, you have minor shirk. Where is the minor shirk? That which I fear for you the most is the minor shirk. What was it? Al-riyat, showing off. Wanting others to know about what he's doing and to hear about his acts of worship. Anyways, point that I want to drive home here is Ibn Taymiyyah saying many of those who ascribe themselves to knowledge they become tested with what? Arrogance. So now you come to know, my beloved brothers and sisters, that the problem is not with the deen and seeking knowledge. The problem is with him and that person. You'll hear statements from the Amatunas, the more you seek knowledge, the more you become badly mannered. Ajib. Why are the Amatunas, the commoners, saying this? Why are they saying this? Did this just come out of nowhere? When we are criticized or when we hear constructive criticism even from the ami from the commoner and the general folk we shouldn't just let this fall on deaf ears sometimes it originates from somewhere of course they might say ignorant things but not everything is based off of ignorance it comes from somewhere why do you think the reason is because of what they've seen, not maybe once or twice or thrice, and they kept on seeing it, it became a common trend. And that's very, very true. Shaykh ibn Uthaymi rahmatullahi is saying this. He says, بَلْ بَعْوَ النَّاسِ كُلَّ مَزْدَادِ عِلْمًا يَزْدَادُ كِبْرًا Some people, the more they increase in knowledge, the more they increase in arrogance. What is arrogance? بطر الحق وغلط الناس 
Rejecting the truth when it is brought to you and belittling others or belittling the people. Is that clear, my brothers, my sisters? And then he says, The real alim, scholar. هو الذي إذا ازداد علما ازداد تواضعا. Rather, the real alim is the one who, when he increases in knowledge, he increases in humility, being humble. Also, Ibn Uthimi rahmatullahi alayhi says, طالب العلم إذا لم يتحل بالأخلاق الفاضلة فلا فائدة له من طلب العلم. Student of knowledge. If he doesn't beautify himself with etiquettes and manners, then there's no benefit in him studying. There's no benefit in him studying. And I'll repeat what I mentioned before as well. Ibn al-Qayyim mentioned. And we're going to be saying this time and time again until every single one of us memorizes it. Ibn al-Qayyim said, the whole religion is etiquettes and manners. Whoever surpasses you in manners and etiquettes, indeed he has surpassed you in your religion. I believe it's Madaj Salikin. Every single one of us, inshallah ta'ala, by the end of this Torah is going to memorize that statement. So it is something that we can continuously keep falling back on. Sometimes, you know what happens, brothers and sisters? It just becomes uh, taking information, more and more and more information. And we forget what this information needs to be useful. If the knowledge that you are acquiring and learning is not benefiting you in every way possible, and there's a khalal, there's a deficiency. It's not bettering your character. You should really look twice at what your intentions are behind seeking knowledge. Now, what is the ta'rif? What is the definition of husn al khuluq? Who can tell me? Before we go into the hadith of the Prophet wasallam, it's good that we discuss all of these points. What is the definition of husnul khuluq, having good etiquettes? From the best of the ta'arif, the definition that I personally came across was أن تعامل الناس بمثل ما تحب أن يعاملوك به وفق الشر that you treat the people the same way you love to be treated. As long as it is in line with the Sharia. And that part of the end is extremely important. Because in some books I only found the first part to treat the people the same way you love to be treated. So if somebody loves to be served cigarettes and haram types of foods, They treat the people the same way you like to be treated as long as it falls in line with the Sharia. 
Can you see if we take the last part out, how somebody could take this definition and say, I love to be treated like this. So you need to now go and do the same. And that could be what? With haram. I always take you with my car wherever you want. Now I need you to take me to the club. There's no one to take me. Treat the people the same way you like to be treated. You Jews? Is that, is that permissible? لا, Sometimes you find family members saying, go buy me the Rizla. At least that person still has a little bit of shyness saying, don't buy me the cigarettes. He won't ask you to go and buy the cigarettes, but he said, go get me the Rizla or the lighter. Now, Allah, now you Jews. And even if he's what? Spending abundantly on you. Wallahi, now you Jews. He might turn around to you and say, I always buy this for you. You are not having good manners. This is not good etiquette with the people. Why is your father? Your Jews? Is that permissible? You must be dutiful to your parents in every way possible. And even if you think that this is irritating you, isma' wa adir. Listen and obey and be dutiful. Walakin, we have Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we also have the creation. Who takes priority? Huh? What did the Messenger say? لا طاعة لمخلوق في معصية الخالق No obedience to the creation even means disobedience to the Creator. No obedience to the creation even means disobedience to the Creator. طيب, my father or my mother asks me now to do haram. This is when our lesson kicks in. How do we go about conveying the message. How do we go about correcting our parents? It's a common, common question. And so many relationships break down because of one who just started seeking knowledge, huh? not knowing how to go about it correctly. Wallahi brothers and sisters, you'll be surprised the amount of questions that I get because of this. And sometimes even between husband and wife, the mother might do something to his wife. And then the wife becomes extremely infuriated. And she's saying to the husband, why are you letting your mother disrespect me like that? Why are you letting your mother disrespect me like that? You're not saying anything about it. Mashallah, I need to take my mom to court, huh? Sit her down. Mom. And hold her to account. Yasruh. Is that appropriate, brothers? And sisters, the same way you hold your maybe brother and sister to account, or your friends to account, nah, there's a way to go about it. There's a way to go about it. Is that claim, my brothers and my sisters? Inshallah Ta'ala will touch on that even more. Okay, that was a quick fire question, but we'll discuss it in more detail later. Okay, so going back to what I was saying, what is the definition of we mentioned, and to that you treat the people the same way you like to be treated, as long as in line with the Sharia. If they're asking to do haram, even if you promise to help them in something that is haram, you're not allowed to fulfill it, and that does not fall into the breaking of promises that is dispraised. 
and I'm pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Is that clear, my beloved brothers and sisters? <coughs> Even the Prophet said, and yet, talk of me. Treat the people the same way you like to be treated. However, he has to be in line with the Sharia. Right? He has to be in line with the Sharia because Allah Azza wa won't be pleased with the haram that you end up doing when maybe acting upon this definition. If you don't like people to have bad thoughts of you, don't have bad thoughts of others. If you don't like people embracing you with a dirty face or a frowned face, then don't do the same. Don't do the same. Don't be like this individual that Ibn Uthaymin rahmatullahi spoke about. When he's saying that some students of knowledge, they don't have manners. They walk around with a dirty look or a dirty face, screwing at others, moody, gloomy, despondent, always looking dejected when around others, or thinking that this now goes against or conflicts or conflates with his haybah, the respect that people have for him. Now Allah. Prophet smiled. Jalil ibn Abdullah al-Bajri, what did he say? Never did the Messenger look at me except that he was smiling. Anas Malik he said, I never saw somebody smiling more than the Prophet. Don't belittle any good deed. Even if it is embracing and meeting your brothers with a smiling, pleasant face. It's not a weakness because on the roads, right? They see this to be a weakness, ah, smiling. Huh? They even call you moist. Sahih? For walking around smiling. Allah, we're living in that society. Today I was having a discussion with someone else. The good has been what? Demonized in today's day and age. The good, that which is pleasing to Allah Azza wa has been demonized so much that even just ordinary Muslims have become what? Desensitized to what is good and what is bad. It's become blurred now. Do you guys agree with that? Unfortunately, not so long ago, I think it was yesterday, I was discussing how even today, subhanAllah, LGBTQ, even if the Muslims are not propagating it, they've become so empathetic and sympathetic and desensitized to this whole notion. That's the first ta'rif, the first definition that I want to give you all. There's another definition which doesn't necessarily go against the first. Abdullah ibn Barak, rahmatullahi alayhi, from the great scholars of the early generations. When he was asked about good etiquettes, what did he say? He said, To have a pleasant face, of course, when you interact with the people. وَبَذْلُ الْمَعْرُوفِ To spread good. المعروف هو اسم جامع لكل ما يحبه الله ورسوله من قول وفعل واعتقاد It is a comprehensive term, ma'roof, 
Because you're being told to spread ma'roof. It's a comprehensive term of everything that Allah Azza wa Jalla's Messenger love from the sayings, from the actions, and also that which one needs to believe. الْأَذَى And to refrain harm from the people. And to refrain harm from the people. Now, the three components that we just mentioned, does it go against what I just said or the first definition that I gave? That you treat the people the same way you like to be treated as long as it falls, short, uh, as long as it falls in line with shara, the legislation. Does it go against that? Wouldn't you want people to embrace you with a pleasant face? You wouldn't like. Wouldn't you want others to spread khair towards you, good towards you? Of course you would. Wouldn't you love the people to refrain evil from you? Of course you would. Jameen, excellent. What do you brothers and sisters think of, of, of this statement? The kuffar have better manners than the Muslims. Huh? They're always punctual. They fulfill their promises. They pay your wage on time. They don't break their promises. Right? If they promise you an increase in your salary, they will honor that. If the council says that they're going to do X, Y, and Z, they'll end up doing it. Find that the council is giving out houses and then the Muslims are kicking people out of their country. Huh. Do you guys agree that they're doing so much good for the Muslims? That's not good. Astaghfirullah You're oppressing them now. Ibn Taymiyyah rahmatullahi alayhi says فَلَا يَحِلُّ لِأَحَدٍ أَن يَظْلِمَ أَحَدًا وَلَوْ كَانَ كَافِرًا It is not permissible and lawful for one to oppress another even if he's a kafir. And then recited a statement of Allah Azza wa Jal وَلَا يَجْرِمَنَّكُمْ شَنَآنُ قَوْمٍ عَلَىٰ أَن لَا تَعْدِلُوا Don't let the hatred that you have in your heart cause you now to be unjust. They give you benefits. They also give you child tax credit. Muslims don't give you that. Would your brothers and sisters agree with that? The kuffar, they're being so nice to us. Even when you look at the courts, at times they're fair. They might even put that kafir guy into prison and lock him up for life and bring about justice for you. Maybe in some Muslim countries you'll find huh, that rishwa, bribery, does the job. So they give you benefits, child tax credit, huh, job seekers allowance. They give you free bus fare when you're young. You can do all of that. You don't find that in Muslim countries. Can we say now that the kuffar have better etiquette than the Muslims? Is that a correct statement to say? Is that right? Nesh? Your name? Not Hamza. Ma'in. MashaAllah, Ma'in has a twin brother called Hamza. He's studying in the university. One of the nicest brothers that I met. Lovely brother. Allahu Akbar. Perhaps Ma'in is no different. Huh? They both look like one another. Like when he was sitting here the other day, I thought Hamza left the university. 
Wallahi. And he would send me a video as I'm looking at him. But the guy is not holding his phone. Because they met with Sheikh Abu Sama al-Dahabi. And then he sent me a video saying, uh, I just don't spread this, keep it to yourself. And I'm looking at him. Where are Kaif? And I realized, subhanAllah, they, they are twins. May Allah bless you both, make you uh, both righteous. Ameen. Is that clear, my brothers? Tayyip. Is it correct to say that statement? Who can tell me why? Tfadl. It's incorrect because he said the definition of good man is to treat the people the way you want to be treated as long as it falls in line with the Sharia. And the Kuffar don't fall in line with the Sharia. Tayyip, them being nice to us doesn't fall in line with the Sharia and giving us benefits, child tax credit, job seekers allowance. Giving us council houses. Alhamdulillah, I have a nice council house. And I'm so happy with that. That's not in line with the Sharia. Them being nice to me, giving me all of this. No, but that's one thing. If they do bad things, that's that. This now. Abdul Hafiz is looking at me. This guy talking about. Huh? Tfadl, right? Because uh, there is the manners with Allah, the Creator. So. Excellent. Brothers and sisters, this is extremely important. Etiquettes are of two types. Our Shaykh Ayman Bahjan in a line of poetry says, فَأَوَّلًا رَاعِ مَعَ اللَّهِ الْأَدَبِ بِتَرْكِ الْإِثْمِ وَبِفِعْلِ مَا وَجَبِ First thing, when he, has, when he speaks about etiquettes from this mandoma, this poem that he has, he says the first thing is that you should have good manners with Allah. By doing that which you must come with from the obligations and to leave of sinning. To leave of sinning. Your etiquette is with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The second thing is what? Your etiquette is with the creation. And the delil for this is, the proof for this is when the Prophet said, أَكْثَرُ مَا يُدْخِلُ الْجَنَّةَ تَقْوَى اللَّهِ حِسْنُ الْخُلُقِ The greatest of that which admits one into al-jannah is coming with taqwa of Allah Azza wa Jal, which is, as Ibn Rajab al-Hanbali rahmatullahi alayhi in his jami' al-ulumi wal-hikam said, أَن تَجْعَلَ بَيْنَكَ وَبَيْنَ مَا تَخَافُ وِقَايَةً تَقِيهُ مِنْ is that you place a shield between you and that which you fear. Who is it that we fear? Allah and His anger. What is that shield? To do what Allah told you to do and to stay away from what Allah told you to stay away from. I think it took me 45 seconds to explain at taqwa And it doesn't just mean fear. That's maybe what? Just a small part of what the taqwa means. As you have come to know. Second thing was mentioned was what? Having good etiquettes. طيب. How does that still explain what I mentioned? Now them who are doing all of this, it's good manners, right? Even with Muslims, there's no discrimination. 
whether you're black, you're white, there's a list that you're on when applying for a council house. And I heard in London, it's very, very hard, huh? Everyone's paying huge amounts of rent. That's why I told them I'm never moving here. They... How does that, uh, what I mentioned, how does that fall in line with it? Earlier I talked about, does the Qudula Kuffar have good manners? They don't have manners of Allah. Allah tells in the Quran, إِنَّ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا مِنْ أَهْلِ الْكِتَابِ وَالْمُشْرِكِينَ فِي نَارِ جَهَنَّمَ خَالِدِينَ فِيهَا أُولَٰئِكَ هُمْ شَرٌ بَرِيَّةٌ What does that شَرٌ بَرِيَّةٌ mean? They're a worse recreation. That's what Allah Azza wa Jal mentioned in the Quran. Them claiming that Allah Azza wa Jal has a son. تَكَادُ السَّمَاوَاتُ يَتَفَطَّرْنَ منه وتنشق الأرض وتخر الجبال هدا أن دعوا للرحمن ولدا. The skies are about to rupture and the earth is about to tear apart and the mount is about to crumble because of them claiming what أن دعوا للرحمن ولدا. They claim Allah Azza wa Jalla is son and then somebody tells me it's okay to wish the Christians. Merry Christmas. I'm congratulating them huh, on the day or for them to celebrate and to enjoy the day when Jesus was born and he, the day when he became the Son of God. They have had evil, bad manners of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And because of that, to say that statement like that unrestrictedly, it's not allowed. Is that clear, my beloved brothers and sisters? Some of us might hear from time to time this hadith of the Prophet when he said, I was only sent to establish lofty mannerism and etiquettes. I thought the Messenger of Allah was sent to establish a Tawheed. Here, إِنَّمَا أَدَاتُ الْحَصْرَ Right? I was only sent to establish at the lofty characteristics and etiquettes. Then you Wahhabis always talk about Tawheed, Tawheed, Tawheed. Huh? Or you start with this Tawheed. Let's call the people to etiquettes. And even then, right? You guys have bad manners and etiquettes. How do we now reconcile between this hadith here, where Messiah was only sent to establish lofty mannerisms and etiquettes, and then you guys are always talking about Tawheed, 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 Tawheed. It doesn't go against when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said وَلَقَدْ بَعَثْنَا فِي كُلِّ أُمَّةٍ رَسُولًا أَنِعْمُونَ اللَّهَ وَجْتَنِبُ الطَّاغُوتِ Indeed, we have sent to every nation a Rasul, a messenger to call the people to what? That they worship Allah Azza wa Jal and they stay away from the Taghut, the deities besides Allah Azza wa Jal. Is that claim, my beloved brothers and sisters? It doesn't go against the call to a Tawheed. It doesn't. As we mentioned, al-akhlaq is of two types. 
يؤتك اسم الله فاولا راعي مع الله الادب بترك الاثم وبفعل ما وجب your relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and then also your relationship with the creation and there's many many hadith of the Prophet sallallahu when he talked about the etiquettes and the manners we'll mention more of them inshallah ta'ala later one of them is إِنَّ الْعَبْدَ لَيُدْرِكُ بِحُسْنِ خُلُقِهِ دَرَجَةَ الصَّائِمِ وَالْقَائِمِ one, because of his lofty characteristics and etiquettes and manners, he will reach what? The level of the sa'im and the qa'im. Brothers and sisters, let's be honest here. Is it easy to fast regularly? Huh? Under the scorching heat, when we're here in the summer, is it easy? Let's be honest. It's not easy. Is it easy, brothers and sisters, to wake up for the night prayer? No, it's not. Even waking up for Fajr is a tough one, huh? Sahih. Prophet is saying that with your good etiquette, you could reach that level of someone who always fasts and always prays at night. With your etiquette. And how you treat the people, how you interact with them, so on and so forth. That doesn't mean, brothers, uh, brothers and sisters, that you leave off the uh, fasting and la. Yani, if you get both of them, noor ala noor, light upon light, right? طيب. For those who came in late, I'll mention it again. We are going through 13 hadith related to impeccable manners and etiquettes. The reason why I picked it is Ramadan is around the corner. It's fast approaching. Normally Ramadan is the month where the scene has been set, right? If you want to introduce new habits into your life, it's easier to do so in the month of Ramadan. That's when the doors of Jannah have been swung open, the doors of Hellfire have been slammed shut, and the Shayateen have been locked up. It's this month. You can also rid yourself of these very evil traits that one has had enough of. So we want to enter into the month of Ramadan maybe with some characteristics that we could take away. Hmm? And I picked out these hadith from Bulul Maram. And some of you may be wondering, etiquettes in a fiqh book? I asked the attendees, why did Ibn Hajar al-Askalani, when compiling this book of a hadith, it's a book of a hadith, scholars, students memorize it. It's advisable for one to memorize. He memorizes all of these hadith related to ahkam. He has 1400 hadith. However, just the last chapter, the last section of the book, after having spoken about purification, salah, fasting, zakat, hajj, mu'amalat, transactions, buying and selling, renting, riba, and all sorts, at the end he brings a whole section, right? Which has a hadith related to etiquette. 
This is what we discussed. Your brothers and sisters with me. Why? Why would you do that? We mentioned that someone, and this is why I told some of you guys to really come. When you start practicing, you pick up a lot, very, very quickly. You want to build the Eiffel Tower in 24 hours. You want to change the world as quickly as you can. You're learning, mashallah, you're attending this class, that class, and then you want to bring it back to your family. Guide them from maybe the evil that they're engaging in. Could be one wrong move, even with all that which you have memorized and studied and learned, that you could lose your community. And I gave you brothers examples how I personally know individuals who came out with a lot, but then their da'wah was in ruins. Nobody wants to invite them now, and that is because how they treated others and how they interacted with others. So you memorizing this book and then having bad manners? I am fash. Even the same what they say, if he doesn't beautify himself with good etiquette, then him seeking knowledge is nothing. And I'll repeat that again. Statement of Ibn al Qayyim. Who's memorized in Arabic? Tfadl. This is the whole religion is khuluq, etiquettes, and manners. Whoever surpasses you in etiquettes and manners has indeed surpassed you in the deen. And I said, we all want to walk away, inshallah ta'ala, having memorized the statement of Ibn al-Qayyim. Assalamu alaikum. We at the Knowledge College have managed to revolutionize the way Islamic studies is taught in the West. Alhamdulillah. You see, before the Knowledge College, you'd have to find a teacher, which is a hard enough task as it is. And if you found that teacher, you'd have to hope that he would actually finish the book that he was teaching, which again, was not very likely. But now, alhamdulillah, you can study and seek knowledge from the comfort of your own home. And you're not just watching videos that have been pre-recorded, but you're actually being taught live where you can actually engage with your teachers and with your fellow students in the communities that we built for you guys online. If you'd be interested in seeking knowledge and taking your religion to the next level, then click the link below and check it out. We've got over a thousand students that have joined us over the last year and a half, and they've hugely benefited. And we hope that you would be one of the next students, inshallah ta'ala. Assalamu alaikum.